Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise. Welcome to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wernette. Today I'm joined by three local nonprofits, Hesed House, the Conservation Foundation, and the Indian Prairie Educational Foundation. You're watching Spotlight, and joining me now from Hesed House is Joe Jackson. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And we're going to start out with, what is Hesed House? Hesed House is, it's a homeless shelter. Um, we're the second largest homeless shelter in the state of Illinois, but what separates us a little bit is we're also a homeless comprehensive resource center. And what I mean by that is on site we have basically every service that somebody or a family might need to get back up on his or her feet again and get themselves out of homelessness. So it's more than just a roof over the head. Exactly, it's, it's proactive planning to not only avoid homelessness in general, but if you are experiencing it, to have access to all those services, you know, medical clinic, legal clinic, mental behavioral health services, substance use services, parenting classes, job skills, anything you need, uh, we have it on site or we have a partnership with a, an organization in the community. You know, because it's usually not just one thing, right? Exactly. It's all, it's a homelessness. It, it, it comes from a number of different reasons and, uh, and we like to be able to address as many as we possibly can. Okay. So now what uh, role do you feel like, Joe, you play in the community and particularly for those in Naperville? So uh, I might be a little biased here, but I, I think we serve a pretty critical need, um, as critical as there is out there. Um, like I said, we, we focus both on preventing homelessness, because honestly, in, in my opinion, that's the best way to end homelessness, to make sure it doesn't happen in the first place. Um, so if we can keep people housed, if we can keep them in their houses, in their apartments, um, and avoid all of the trauma that comes with experiencing homelessness, we're going to do that. So we meet people where they are, we don't judge you know, their situations, and we try to keep them housed. On the flip side, as people do experience homelessness, um, we address each of those root causes, but we do so in a way with uh, a focus on hope and dignity, because a lot of time people who are experiencing homelessness are met with um, just a lot of dehumanization um, and a lot of trauma that they just, no one deserves, let alone somebody who, who's down on their luck or in need of those services. So um, we do our best to then get those folks housed as quickly as we possibly can. So we shorten the amount of time that they would have to experience those things. Yeah, I would imagine uh, it very important in when you come upon hard times, right? You mm -hmm. still, you're still a person, you still want exactly. to feel good and to be able to be resilient and kind of move through that, you need to have, as you say, the dignity. Absolutely, um, and even just educating the general public on you know, how easy it is for folks to fall into homelessness. Uh, but then on the flip side of that too, how difficult it is to then lift yourself out of homelessness. It's a, it's a lot easier to come into it than it is to get yourself out of it. A little bit of a steep curve Absolutely. right Absolutely. Right? Um, talk a little bit, because obviously the pandemic's had a big a big impact on all social services. Mm -hmm. How has it impacted Hesed House? So Hesed House and, and shelters in general, um, it's really hit us hard. So congregate shelter facilities, they were designed to get as many people into a space as possible because the alternative is, those folks are out on the streets. Um, that design does not lend itself well to a, a global pandemic where there's you know, need for isolation, for quarantine, social distancing. Um, so at Hesed House, our capacity was cut by about 60%. Um, 
and we just, we would not stand pat with that. It goes against our mission and our core values. So we fought really hard. We worked with uh, the Kane County Board, DuPage County Board, local municipalities to get funding and expand our shelter to get back to pre-pandemic uh, capacity levels, um, which helped us because otherwise 100 plus people would be out in the streets right now. Um, the other piece is we really focused in on homeless prevention services. Um, and, and I was telling you before we started filming, um, about 2,000 households we prevented from experiencing homelessness just over this past year um, by the work of our case managers and those homeless prevention and emergency rental assistance programs that we have at Hassett House. Yeah, that really, I mean, you, you just had to really ramp up on that, right? Exactly. If we didn't, I mean, the shelter system in general was already at the breaking point. So if you could imagine 2,000 people then added into that, shelters wouldn't be able to keep up. Hesed House wouldn't have been able to meet that demand. So it was absolutely critical we were able to keep people in their houses. Yeah. Talk a little bit. Um, give, give us a sense, Joe, of the individuals or the families that you serve. They come from all walks of life. Homelessness doesn't have a, a, you know, a, a standard face or race or ethnicity or anything. Um, we serve anybody and, and everybody. And we've seen folks as young as five days old in our shelter, a mom fresh out of the hospital from delivering her baby staying with us. We've had uh, folks as, as old as 92 years old staying with us. We have, we have veterans, we have people who are just down on their luck who have been laid off, single parents, uh, you know, complete families. We have everybody at Hassett House and we're happy to serve each and every one of them. Yeah, I think that's important, right, for people to understand that mm -hmm. there isn't a stereotype of a typical homeless person. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, what's next for Hassett House? <laughs> so what's, what's next is we're going to continue to expand our shelters. Um, right now, we, we have a project that we just broke ground on uh, with the demolition work where we're going to expand our adult shelter to get up to almost 300 people for capacity. So we will never have to experience any capacity issues again in, in a pandemic or any other time. Um, and then that, that expansion will also then allow us to up our family shelter capacity, which is currently at 54, and we'll be able to have well over 100 um, parents, guardians, and kiddos in our shelter um, if the need be. Knock on wood that we never see numbers that high, sure. um, but if, if we have to, we want to be prepared for it. So. Sure. Now, when you've broken ground, so when do you think you'll be ready? The end of this calendar year is the goal. Okay. So we'll, we'll see how that works out, uh, but uh, we were able to pull off a, an expansion project just like this at the end of 2020, where funding was secured the third week of November, and it needed to be done by December 30th, not even New Year's Eve, and we were able to pull that off in that time frame. So we're, we're confident we'll be able to pull this one off too. Well, well done. Thank you. <laughs> Keep our fingers crossed for <laughs> exactly. that, right? Exactly, yes. Um, talk a little bit about how people can partner with Hesed House. Sure. Uh, the easiest way is going to our website and, and checking things out there. Uh, we do have our big Hesed House Derby party coming back after a two-year COVID hiatus. It's coming back. It'll be at White Eagle this year on May 7th, so please keep an eye out for that. Get uh, your hat ready, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, big hats, big fun. Um, so you can get tickets to that on our website. Um, we also have a number of job openings right now at Hesed House, so if anybody out there has a call to serve the most vulnerable, come join us. Come be a part of the Hesed family. You can apply on our website there, too. Um, and last but certainly not least, we depend on volunteers each and every year. Over 8,000 individual people come to Hesed House and help us operate our shelters. And so we are ramping back up volunteer services. So if you'd like to volunteer, 
go on to our website um, and, and click on the volunteer button. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, we wish you all the best with your expansion, the yes. continued good work that you're doing for a very vulnerable community. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me today. It's Absolutely. always a blast. Absolutely. And if you're interested in learning more about Hesed Health, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. The Naperville Police Department needs your help to solve crime and bring offenders to justice. When you submit tips to Naperville Crime Stoppers, you help keep our city one of the safest in the nation. Tips to Naperville Crime Stoppers have helped solve hundreds of crimes and recover over $7 million in drugs, property, and cash. Remember, tipsters remain anonymous and receive cash rewards up to $1,000 if their tips lead to an arrest. Call the tip line at 630 420-6006. You may have that one piece of information that solves the crime. If you're just tuning in, you're watching Spotlight. I'm your host, Jay Mournette, and joining me now from the Conservation Foundation is Jim Kleinwalker. Hi. Good to have you with us, Jim. I appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, okay, is it true? This is something I heard, and you're going to tell me the true answer. Is it true that native plants are better for us in Illinois? Yeah, I started um, talking to people about their plantings, and they were telling me that nothing will grow here, or this is failing. And the, the big thing is evolution happens. We understand evolution in the animal world. We understand that there's giraffes with the long neck or the turtle with the shell, but we don't see it in plants. And these plants have been evolved here in Illinois and we've decided to live in Illinois. We have our homes and work here now. So why aren't we embracing the plants of Illinois? They're just much more long lived and deep rooted and survive through the winter. That's so interesting. It's funny, you put that in a really good way because you don't think about it. You think about, you know, I'm from Britain, so I want my roses, I've got certain things that I want, but that's not what I should be planting. Well, it doesn't benefit the, the wildlife. And, and when I talk to people about functional plants, so some plants are working plants, doing things, and other things are just sitting there. And in the house, you wouldn't think of having all plastic plants or, you know, um, sticks on the wall, decorative things. So something can be decorative or typically is functional. Hmm. And when you go out in the yard, the same thing. A rose is decorative. It has no function. There aren't bees all over it. And if it's there for decorative purposes, it works fine. But if we lose all the functional parts of our yard, then we're not connected to the environment. Interesting. Okay, give me, give me two, two things I should have in my yard. Milkweed, we always tell people, and pollinator-friendly things. So, there are a lot of things that we can have that are pretty and bring the pollinators. So it doesn't mean that just because you want this lawn um, that you can't have some other things besides. Okay. So have your roses, have your things like, um, oh, lilacs are another one that 
beautiful. And they remind me of my grandmother, but they have no function here. Okay. So adding some functional things with the decorative things will bring birds and butterflies and you'll have a more eco-friendly type yard. Okay, so we got to do kind of that hybrid thing, which I think is something we're all getting used to, the word hybrid. We don't have to give up all of, all of our pretty things, but we should be putting some other things, some workers into our yard. That's what we're working towards, okay. is trying to educate people about it, that there is a difference. You look at two plants sitting there and you say, well, they look the same to me. I'm actually teaching at College DuPage because the students were being taught that plants were plants. Mm. And I went over there and I said, they're, they're different. And we have to treat them differently and understand them a little bit differently. And you talked a little bit, which I think is important. Uh, you talked a little bit about the pollinators. So the birds and the bees and the bugs and stuff. Why is that important? Well, we can't keep thinking that we're the most important thing that there is. You know, so having an ecosystem that we live in, many of our homes are on like wooded properties. The trees have been there for 100 years. And the birds have been using them and the squirrels and this ecosystem that's happening. We've kind of injected ourselves into their home. And we're trying to bring the people like, don't you still want that part of the society um, to be connected to nature? Okay. Okay. Now, I, I know this is true for a lot of people where you have a little bit of problem with water in your yard. Uh, talk a little bit about that, why that's happening, what we should do about it, how we should think about it. Well, a lot of communities, Naperville for one, the river runs right through the middle of town and very few people understand what's going on with the river, what's, you know, what's good about it, what's bad, how are we impacting it in a negative way. So right now the river is what we call impaired and that means that it's not fully functional and part of it is the runoff from our yards is carrying waste from the lawn, um, pet waste, um, fertilizer, all those types of things from the yards. So absorbing that water in our yards is pretty important. Keeping it out of the basement and functioning with that water in our yards instead of just like flush it out to the street. Okay, so that's interesting. So we wanna keep it in our yard. Um, you talked a little bit about fertilizers and you know, I think we all, it's kind of like you want that green lawn, but What's the but? <laughs> but it's causing detriment. So we have monitoring in uh, the Conservation Foundation, where I work as a um, 501c3 not-for-profit, and we test the water 24 hours a day, and, and we have monitors. And so the problem is, with all that fertilizer going in the water, it raises the um, plant life in the water, so the algae and the fungi. So with that high amounts of algae growth, it drops the oxygen, and then the fish and the other critters are not doing well. So the idea is have a nice lawn, but do it in a way that isn't going to be a detriment to your neighbor's property or the river. Yeah, not, not where, you know, you want nice things, but don't, not to the detriment of everybody else, Correct. right? Yeah. Right. Um, talk a little bit about butterflies, because we all love them, right? I mean, that's sort of one of those lovely uh, things that we have on this planet. How can we attract more to our yard? Just creating these flowering gardens. So most of the butterflies are looking for nectar and all summer long, these flowering plants that, that are able to give them the nectar that they're looking for. So they scan your yard and if they see all roses, there's nothing there for them and they don't come. So I can help you. We don't just randomly start picking things. We purposefully put in things that we know they'll come for. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm loving this as I'm listening to you because um, I do love to garden, but this whole concept of form and function, I think is something we don't necessarily, you know, as much as you read about, you're always looking at what's pretty, right? Uh, you yeah. look at the, uh, the form as opposed to the function. You, I know, Jim, do this amazing thing at the Conservation <coughs> Foundation, which just blows my mind, which is you'll go to somebody's home free of charge and give them that little bit of education, right? On yeah. both the form and the function. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that. Well, we developed our Conservation at Home program, and you might see these around town. The people have been working towards doing something better. And so the idea is, I learned pretty early that if I told you you're doing the wrong thing, I'm not sure that that would be enough to change your behavior. But I come to your house and we walk the property and I'm not talking in general things about you should do this. I'm saying right there, we could fix this. Okay. And so it's a difference between a theoretical knowledge and an placement and a form fitting thing. So if you like purple, let's put some purple right there. Okay. Uh, so I think that's the bridge between I was going to and let's do this. Okay. And, and what, what do people say to you when you go around? I, 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 it must be a very joyous opportunity. It is. I love what I do. And um, they're just so grateful to have somebody show up on time and be there for them and answer all the questions that they have. And so it's a wonderful thing for our organization to be able to offer that to people and because of the generous donors that we can offer this for as low as nothing. You know, of course, we're going to ask people, become a member, sure, sure, help our program, but it's not required. And I help schools and churches and other places that I'm not going to get any funding from just because of the generous donations from somebody else. Well, thank you for what you do. We really appreciate sure. it. Sure. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. <laughs> and to find out more about the Conservation Foundation, please go and visit their website. We're gonna take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Welcome back to Spotlight. And joining me now from the Indian Prairie Educational Foundation are Alicia Johnson and Saba Heather. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We always enjoy our time here. Well, thank you. And you know, we're gonna start right out with what is IPEF? So the Indian Prairie Educational Foundation, Jane, was established in 1988. So we're in our 33rd year. And, you know, we actually were created back in 1988 to support our district's fine arts program. Mm -hmm. In 1987, the first fine arts fair took place in the backyard of Brookdale Elementary with about 200 students. And now, with our support, it has grown to a fine arts festival with over eight thousand student participants, 28,000 uh, attendees, 12,000 pieces of artwork. Um, so that was our original purpose. Okay. Now you've evolved from there, although that's a big growth. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about how you've evolved and where you are today, 33 years later. Absolutely. So as education changes and evolves, as things in the world change, focus changes, 
we also have been able to change our focus when necessary. So back in 1988, our focus was fine arts. And over the years up to 2022, um, we have funded a, a, a wide variety of programs. Our focus really now is to enhance the, the artistic uh, experience, the educational experience, um, health and wellness for our students as well um, through just really a variety of programs um, throughout the district for K through 12 as well as our teachers. And these are the things that are beyond the tax dollar, right? Absolutely, beyond the tax dollar and uh, just for um, enhancement of the overall educational experience. Okay, now you touched on health and wellness, which Saba, I know is something that you're passionate about. Talk a little bit about the programs in that area. Absolutely, I am a health and wellness teacher, so this is really close to my heart. The wonderful thing about IPEF is that the programs that they offer really help the students uh, in District 204. We have a program uh, which allows for us to take care of our at-risk youth and middle school and high school. So Back on Track is a program that was launched in collaboration with 360 Youth Services. So the students right now are struggling the most. Um, and it's not just their social lives, it's not just their academics, it's also their emotional, their social, it's their mental health. And we have to really focus on their mental health right now, social health and emotional health right now. These programs, like, like Back on Track, helps their students to have these resources available to them. And the most important aspect is that they are available at school. So they don't have to go anywhere. There's no need for transportation. There's no need for parents to take the time out of their busy schedule to provide these services, these resources to the students. They're available right there. The, the counselors, the deans recommend these at-risk students to the programs and, uh, and kids get to have them uh, right there at the school itself. The other thing I think that's very, very unique about IPF is the program called Young Hearts for Life program. And uh, since its inception, we have screened 34,000 high schoolers. Wow. And if you just imagine thousands of high schoolers going through echocardiograms, ECG screenings, uh, and they get to experience that twice in their four years uh, of, their, of their time in high schools, and we do that in all our high schools. So twice in four years they experience, they get to get screened, uh, get their e ECGs done. Now this is a lot of resources coming together. These are the, the cardiac and healthcare professionals coming together. Uh, lots of technology, lots of instruments and resources, and most importantly, hundreds of volunteers from the community coming together to make this program a success. And this program has literally saved mm -hmm. lives. You know, hundreds of students have benefited from it. Thousands and thousands of students have been screened uh, during, this, uh, during this program. So I think these are the two really, you know, that stand out, the programs that really help students, especially the families that are, don't have access to the resources as mm -hmm. much. The disadvantaged families in the district, and as we were talking about it earlier, we think all of us have access to these resources equally, and there are a lot of families in our district that mm -hmm. may not have access to these resources. So I think these programs are wonderful for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's making sure that they get what they need, and those are, you know, those are good interventions, right? Absolutely, Yeah. Yes. Now talk a little bit, uh, Alicia, you talked about the enrichment, and robotics and STEM, obviously that's a big, you know, we're all talking about it, that's very important. Say a little bit about what you've been doing in that robotics area. 
Sure. So robotics is a program that we funded for, for quite a few years, and it has grown over time. So it started at the high school level, and there was so much excitement about it and so much interest. It then trickled down to the middle school level and now to the elementary level. So these young engineers are so amazing as far as the collaboration that they um, uh, they, they utilize to build these robots and then go to a tournament and compete against other robots. It really is quite amazing the talent that's displayed. Um, so we are proud to fund that program and partner with District 204. It's an extracurricular after school program. The students don't pay a fee to participate. And um, you know, it's not only just preparing them and uh, maybe for a future career in engineering, but just exposing them to that area of curriculum. And I just love that teamwork aspect as sure. well. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of collaboration going on there, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Well, when we talk a little bit about collaboration, obviously uh, teachers, classroom staff, right, our classroom champions, how is IPEF supporting them? Absolutely. I, I think uh, the biggest draw to the district is our excellent teachers. We have such wonderful and dedicated, hardworking teachers in the district that it draws this huge population to the district, which is it, it, it is that that has made IPE, uh, IPST 204 the district that it is. And we really work hard to make sure that we celebrate our teachers. And uh, we have several programs, uh, most importantly, the Teacher Innovation Grants. Now here, uh, every fall, the teachers get to apply to these grants. Um, when the teacher is trying to make their classrooms more fun, more engaging, um, more lively, then they need more material. They need field trips. They need uh, funding uh, to be able to invite uh, experts from different fields to their classrooms. So they can, they can provide these proposals. They can write, uh, you know, they can apply to these grants. And uh, we go through this really uh, sort of, you know, elaborate process of selecting the best of the best programs, the applications that we get to provide uh, grants to our teachers. And uh, this has been, some of the programs are just so wonderful, you know, the, uh, the, the book clubs, the dynamic DNA kits, uh, and you know, uh, entrepreneurs, pop-up shops. This, the, these are some of the most amazing ideas that are happening on daily basis in the classrooms. And some of them have been absorbed in the everyday curricula, the annual mm -hmm. programs of the school. So I think that's because the IPF is able to provide these grants to our teachers. A little bit of seed money to get that started. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's kind of like a pilot, pilot program in sure. the classroom. Right, exactly. And one quick example of that is our Valley Runway program, which just occurred um, last yes. Friday. And it is a program that started out as a teacher grant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about equity um, all throughout the district. And um, we just assume that if, every, if someone wants to attend prom, that they are able. Mm. And that's sometimes not the case. Sometimes there just are not those resources. Um, so Ann Clexton, a teacher at Mattia, uh, submitted a teacher grant to put together a program called Valley Runway um, to provide a boutique shopping experience for these young ladies 
um, and now gentlemen with tuxes to shop for new gowns that they might not be able to have access to otherwise and accessories. So that's a great example of how our teacher innovation uh, grants program has spread um, in a positive way across right. the district. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yes. As we're wrapping up, one of the things, because I know it's always a big thing for you, is Team IPF. So say a little bit before we run. Yes, absolutely. Um, Team IPEF, um, we will be in our ninth year. Um, it is a group of dedicated um, teachers and staff and parents and community members, um, business owners, alumni, and even students all coming together as a charity team in the um, Healthy Driven mm -hmm. Naperville 5K and Half Marathon that takes place in October. Everything raised by every charity member, 50% of that goes right back to the school. We are looking forward to 2022 <laughs> and bringing more families and parents out for uh, the race. So registration is open right now. Uh, we encourage um, anyone um, to participate. A 5K is doable. Uh, we, have, <laughs> we have training support. They can Lisa, why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> we would love for you to wear one of our famous yellow shirts um, and join the fun. So it's a great opportunity for community, bringing everyone together, working towards one common goal. Um, if people are interested, they can check our website at IPEF204.org. Wonderful. Well, listen, you are obviously very, very busy and keeping a lot of programs going. So we thank you so much for stopping by and sharing a little bit of information with us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. Of thank course. You. And if you would like more information about IPEF, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. I'd like to thank all of my guests for joining us on Spotlight and our friends at Busey Bank for their generous sponsorship of today's show. To learn more about the organizations featured on this episode, please visit our website at nctv17.com. And to stay informed about what's happening in our community, sign up to receive our daily news update and like and follow us on Facebook. For Spotlight, I'm Jane Wernette. Thank you for watching. Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise.